Welcome to Oops, I'm in a Cult. I'm Scott Barker. I'm Charity Novelesi. And uh, this is an episode about designated relationships, Christ in the flesh, all things submission Hey-o. and control. Submit your shit. <laughs> of course, again, always have to say something stupid. Welcome to the whatever fucking podcast this is. You don't but... want to mention that it's the Living Word Cult? No, I think that's great. But is it just going to be called the Living Word Cult podcast? No, no. Oh, what could it be? What could it be, Charity? You and I are both former members, Living Word, Fellowship. We're investigating the uh, the ins and outs of our experience. In and out podcast. <laughs> you can cut that part out. It's real casual. It guarantees it's going to break down very quickly, which is <laughs> totally fine. It's, it's the Living Word, Fellowship, it's the walk. Thought it was a church, turned out it was a cult. Oh, there's a good... That's, a, that's what it is, that's it. I mean, I kind of love it. It's not bad. It's not bad. Oops, I'm in a cult. <laughs> All right, Charity, this is... This is a like, we're doing some homework here. Okay, y'all, that's what this is. This is this is a little bit of effort. We're not gonna, I'm not gonna admit it's not anything but effort. It's also <laughs> a trigger warning. It's a trigger warning episode. You have to listen to a lot of Gary Hargrave. Yeah, there's a lot of Gary Hargrave, John Robert Stevens sound bites in here and <sighs> If you're not seeing it, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to do this. It's hard to do this stuff, and it's not hard to record it because, like, whatever. It's like an hour to record this. It's hard to prep for it because, and I've actually been working on this one for um, a few years. You know, it's in the background. It's been trying to understand this designated relationship thing. And what that means, because I think a lot of us know what designated designated relationships mean. If you're a part of this, you just know that it's this kind of thing. Um, it was about submitting to a person, but it wasn't. It was like other things. And it was Elijah and Elisha, and it was Christ in the flesh, and it was shepherding, and it was divine order, and it was at one point Timothy's, but then these Moseses, and you know, like and, and if you're confused, it's because it's confusing it's as hell. Confusing as hell, and it's kind of like lame as hell, too. Yeah. There's a lot of like biblical teachings in it and stuff. And I think, you know, if if you're following along and you aren't a, you were never a part of the church and you're trying to understand like what designated relationships means. This is a deep dive into designated relationships. Um, and you will hear us talk about it all the time because it was a huge part of how they controlled everybody. And it was a serious part and the shepherding, it was like, it was what this whole thing was about. Not necessarily designated relationship, but submission. Which was their system of control. System of control. And this is the many iterations that it went through. Yes. And there were many iterations that it went through. And that's what we're doing here is, and Charity and I were talking about this ahead of time. We're taking you beginning to end with this. And like the different ways that it manifested, this is by no means all of the things that, and all of the ways that it showed up, but it's, it's definitely some of the significant ones and how they use the system of control to ultimately feed the top. Yes. And the reason we're digging into it and not just being like, well, that's what designated relationships is. See you next week, Mm -hmm. you know, is because for me, it's hearing it out of their mouth. First is like, okay, here's how they defined it. 
But then second, it's also like they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like a way of really like letting it go and like putting it in that place where it's like they were deliberately trying to control us. Mm -hmm. And they came up with a new title for that deliberate control every few years. And we all just have been calling it designated relationships. Sometimes it got layered on to existing things like shepherding. Um, but what we hope to show here is how from the very beginning with John Robert Stevens, all the way through with Gary, it was always about putting them above us right. and deliberately making a system that controlled us, an organized system. And it put them at the top as Christ in the flesh. Yes. Ultimately, they were they were Jesus. They were Christ. Even though they would say, oh, Christ is in all of you, all of yeah. us. And we're bringing that out in each other. But it ultimately came right. down to them being the Christ. The Christ. And I think that's what we're in part trying to show in this is, um, you know, some of that, some of that, that was happening in there. So we're just going to play this first little, first little soundbite. John Stevens was in this walk for many years before it exploded. Now the dynamic that exploded this was Elisha. It was the spirit of Elisha. And the way that it worked was that a bunch of young people came in contact with that ministry of Elijah and they did the same thing. They, in a sense, left everything. They left their education, they left jobs, they left families, they left riches, they left all kinds of things, and they came and they gave themselves to John in a relationship. Gave themselves to John. Yeah, they gave themselves to John, they left riches, they left everything. And like, you know, I mean, many of you out there that, you know, I've heard that story a number of times. It's it's and you left your home, you left whatever you had, and then you handed everything over to John. Some people literally like all their money, all their time, definitely their kids, mm -hmm. everything. It was about dedicating yourself all in your family, everything to this whole thing. And Gary's, you know, thank you for saying that, Gary. Uh, <laughs> he he also just like, this is the thing that like just bugs the hell out of me is like Gary constantly relationship. It wasn't a relationship. Just kind of the, the you, you know, we'll, you'll hear him say relationship a lot. And it's like, you know, so many layers to it for me, but like, it's like, what does that even mean anymore? <laughs> you know? Cause he, he goes on and on about defining a relationship. Yes, he does. Okay. His definition. But we're going to jump back to old JRS here. There's a different requirement coming on people now. Maybe you've been aware of it, that you get into this walk. It's not like joining a church. It's like a total surrender to the Lord, a total dedication to him as Lord. You're more aware of him as Lord than you are Savior. That's incidental that he saved us from our sin. But he's exercising a lordship over us that is total. Amen. It is total. It's absolute. We surrender to that. We are not walking along like Christians. Well, you know there are a lot of Christians. They never pay any price. They don't pay any price for it. They go and join the church. If anything, it helps their business. You know, they don't, they're not persecuted for it. Okay. 
this one and a few others, we leave in the rambling and the like, because it just can't stick to a single point. I know it's hard. We don't do a very well job, but like <laughs> it adds to the frustration of like trying to understand what the hell they're trying to talk about. But he's he's saying it's a full commitment. This isn't like another church. We're not like the rest of the Christians. They don't pay any price for it. You're going to pay some price. We're going to be persecuted. Let's do this thing. Full mm-hmm. submission. Total submission. Total submission. Um, yeah. So that's our old, our good guy, John. Here's a few other fun quotes of him just laying out this premise, like reminder, you're here. It's full submission. It's not about you. It's not that you're going to be free and independent individuals, but that his name will be written upon your foreheads. That's the mark of a slave, branded as a slave, as servants of the Most High God. No, I'm not going to leave, leave you alone. Amen. I don't care what you go through. Hallelujah. We'll make saints out of you if it kills you. <laughs> You're going to come into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. I'll not spare no pity because I don't think you really know what you want when you talk that way. Okay, you don't know what you want. You're going to be a slave. Gonna make saints out of you killed you. You know, it's 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 total commitment. This is what we're what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't obvious already, like just it it wasn't just something that you felt, it was something he demanded. He was he was asking for that. Yeah. They're always they're saying that's what this is going to be. They need if you wanted to be a part of this thing, it you needed to be fully committed. Right. You were branded as a slave, like, welcome to the walk. A um, little bit more on some of this stuff. John Robert Stevens, not spending too much time on him, but you know, I don't know, we got it's some just good. just lay the foundation. Like this was from the from the get go. Yes, from the get go. I think that's a that's a really good point in this whole thing too. Is again, we hear a lot of stuff. Well, Gary and Marilyn, you know, they came in and screwed this whole thing up. No, they you were sub, you were fully committed mm-hmm. they from were the carrying beginning. On the legacy, they were carrying on the legacy. They they perfected it in some ways, but they, you know, they, they were just doing the same same old same old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a place where people sacrifice their own personal feelings for the welfare of the body. They're more concerned about it. There's a basic difference here. This is the day of body ministry. It is not a congregation of individuals, but it's a flowing together of a body of many members. They forget themselves. They forget everything else. That's really important because that that was promoted intensely is no individualism, no yes. independence. They right. they made fun of in, even the word independence. Mm-hmm. You had an independent spirit. Yeah, independent spirit, all this stuff. And I, I would like to clarify, too, the, all those first clips that we heard were from the 70s. This one was from 1965. I. We hear stuff about like certain people get into John's circle and start influencing him. 65 is early. This is before all the hippies are coming in. This guy, these were his ideas from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's not some Maryland type coming in and like swaying John's mind. And do you think John was really that weak minded that like some rando would come in and give him ideas? He had plenty of ideas on his own. Anyways, that's she was just side. that hot. Yeah. And I think what I'll do, I think what I'll do for funsies is in the order that we play these, I will list this stuff out in the show notes with the dates and titles and stuff. So you can look at it if you if you care. Um, I do. Some of you do. Most of you would be like, shut this off as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> OK, here's a little bit more. This is fun. Before you shut it off. Whoa, 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 whoa before you go. It's going to get it's going to get more interesting. It's, it's a fun. Little, it escalates. It escalates. Here we go. Are you ready for this? This remember the last What was the last thing that John just said. It was uh, 
about not individualism. Right. There's no separation. There's no separation. This is a prophecy at the end of that service. Does it get any more culty than that? They're saying, we're one. We're one. We're one. This will haunt your nightmares. And in case okay. that wasn't that traumatizing enough. <laughs> That's right. If that wasn't traumatizing enough, I think we're we're playing with all a lot of little themes and things here. It's, it's about submission. It's about sacrificing yourself. It's about putting the body first. But that was for you. That was for the congregation. They were one. They were sacrificing themselves. They were no individualism. But when it came to the leaders, especially John and Gary and Marilyn later, they were the one. The apostle. Yes. And so let's listen to this worship service from 1977, which again, trigger warning. <laughs> the apostle is John. Just in case you missed that, it's we lose the apostle. Um, we the, he's our freedom. He's our Lord. He's our Lord. We, we exalt, exalt him. him. And again, referring to John. John Stevens. is the apostle. Yeah. OK, so. That is our laying the found work of the old John Robert Stevens and really just showing here it was about him it was about submission to his walk with god his idea of what a walk with god exactly. was and all that stuff so as as this happened there's a little bit of backstory um this submission and this like whole thing came along with it like a negative side for john which was people were constantly asking for words over their life like you would want to go to john we've heard some of these stories kind of like with um lenny talks about going to John and, you know, he spoke a word over her life and started the dedication for her. Um, so a lot of people were doing that. They were writing prayer requests. John was, he set himself up to be the central thing that everybody mm -hmm. was submitting to, asking for all sorts of stuff. Then um, we're going to now read a little, a little thing from a, a source that we have who worked for what was called ComWest. This was a secretary at ComWest. And this is what this person says. In 1978, John created Communications West and Communications Central on the grounds on the grounds that if he was to be free to coordinate uh, concentrate. to concentrate, sorry, if he was to be free to concentrate on the living word, he would no longer receive so many requests for personal ministry and demand to answer questions the churches were having. The comm centers were to act as a gathering points for requests to come in. They would come, they would compile the requests onto individual six part comm slips, some to go to JRS, some to be filed. And then the brothers in the comm central would pray and come up with answers for many of the requests and only forward some to JRS. Gradually, Gary Hargrave took over the lead in comm West and comm central became less and less. After John's death, Gary and Marilyn took over. They consolidated all communications directly back to them. Okay, so that was a little, you know, from 78, John died in 83. They created this 
comm system so that people could sit, submit their request into an organized system, a team of shepherds or brothers, as they called them back in the day, would go through them and they'd pray over them, respond to people. But basically what you're talking about is everybody submitting all of their personal issues, their, their prayer requests, all sorts of personal stuff about their life to this organization that could then act for John or pass information up they to John. They decided what got passed up to him. Yes, they what? got decided. And the person that was in charge of that, especially the the central or like Com West, which was the more important one because it was West Coast closer to John, was Gary Hargrave. And he took over the lead of this whole thing. He was the communication center. Mm -hmm. He was in charge of all communications were going to him. So when John died and Gary and Marilyn took over, they just consolidated everything to continue coming straight to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now they're in charge. We're going to play this little tape, um, which is very interesting. And I think if you would really study the uh, turmoil that this walk with God went through. This is Gary Hargrave. Especially uh, from the year starting about in uh, 076. 77, something became very obvious in the way of conflict. And whether it was recognized or not, it was a very simple conflict as to is God off there someplace or is He in our midst? Okay. Long-winded way of saying is God in the sky? Is God in the spirit realm? Is God some intangible thing or is he here? This is from a 1985 message by Gary Hargrave, the new leader, after John was dead. And all you needed to do to walk with God was to find who he sent and make the connection with that individual. Okay, I don't know why he's being so freaking precious about this. What he's saying is that like, you need, if you want to walk with God, you want to connect to the person that he sent. That God sent. And he's talking hey. about John. Yeah. That's that's where he's he's starting with this whole thing. And there's a reason he's being precious with this. And like, so, and he is very elusive in all of this, like everything that he's saying here. Okay. So, yeah, we can keep playing it or we can read from this, this letter. Um this is from a former apostolic company yes. member. A former apostolic company member, somebody who was in the leadership. Apostolic company was a leadership. Um, there's more to this tape, but I kind of want to show you why he's being so like careful. Mm -hmm. This is what he's setting this, something up. Yeah, he's setting something up. And so this is what this former APCO member said. So in 1985, Gary brought a message called When Seeking God Becomes Unbelief. That's the clip that we just played for you. And there's more clips to play where he said that it would have been stupid for the 12 disciples to seek God when Christ was standing right next to them in the flesh. He said that when most people said they were seeking the Lord, they were just praying to God in the sky or in the brain, and that the real front lines was knowing that Marilyn was Christ in the flesh. So that's this person's interpretation that was sitting there and was in the service and in the midst of all of this stuff at the time. Um, we're going to go ahead and play through the clips that we found um, in that. And I will tell you, we did not find 
anything where they explicitly said, where Gary explicitly said, um, Marilyn is Christ, which, you know, they were pretty good about not it, doing A lot that. of innuendo. Yeah. Yeah. The message was still clear. And mm. especially like he's saying, that he, obviously like things were being said yes. in back rooms and off, off mics. Off mics. Speak. And also these are edited tapes. So mm -hmm. they had Christ. They knew he was Christ. They knew he was the son of God. And yet there, there was still something in them that was seeking something other than what they had. These are the disciples. We've done the same thing. We still do. We've done the same thing. They're seeking something far off. You know, it's just like the the um, APCO quote there was uh, the person who was part of APCO. They said that like the disciples were seeking something far off. It's in the Bible. We're not going to read the Bible or any of that stuff right in here, but seeking something far off when like, and then he says, Gary says, like, we do that. We did that. And we still do. Meaning after John's death, we still seek something far off when there's something right here. Once you have the one who is sent, once you, if you seek God, I'll tell you what you're seeking. You're seeking to find God in the flesh. You're seeking to find where he's really placed himself and sent himself right here on the earth. And when you find that, stop seeking for him out here. Because he's not out there. Not out there. Yeah. It's just like becoming more and more obvious. He's setting this up to say, you know, John was Christ in the flesh. He was sent by God. He was the one, uh, the way, the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, we're still, you know, the big, a big mistake that we made was we didn't see that he was the one that was sent or something like yeah, that, right? And exactly. so, and we're still doing it. And so, dot, yes. dot, dot. Still seeking God while he's standing right in front of him. The funny thing, I think, is he is standing right in front of everybody. I'll tell you, the way I feel about this this morning, uh, I don't ever want to do this again. I feel like if we, if we would look to what we were to do, and how were we, how we were to walk with John and the greatest mistake that was ever made this is it still seeking god and there's so many long drawn out pauses i'll tell you why Everybody is still seeking God. He is. And we're leaving in those pauses because he left in those pauses. He's saying, he says it at the top. We're still seeking God, even though he's standing right in front of him. And then he turns to the audience and he says, we're still seeking God. And the audience fills in the blank while he's standing right in front of us. We're still seeking God, Gary says. And he doesn't say anything else. The audience fills in the blank in their head. It's a it's a definite like great tactic to like you repeat this part and then you have them playing it over again. I mean, you know, I can't speak to the man's actual thoughts, but like that's what I'm seeing with this is he's he's saying so much without saying it. Mm -hmm. And that's frustrating because when well, it becomes we, more clear later on. Yes, it does become. We still got a few more clips. Thing that comes into oh, which so 
after Gary, after Gary, uh, you know, any, it's the same thing with John Robert Stevens, like part of the living word was like, after the, the main messenger would like bring the message, they had to have it confirmed by the brothers. And so they would ask for a prophecy after the fact, and the brothers would come up and they would, you know, prophesy. So this is one of the guys, he's the last one on the tape to uh, prophesy. The thing that comes in to veil your hearts from seeing God and those whom he has sent is over with. Right. And I know damn well John didn't die and there was nobody else who was sinned. Because I've seen him and I'm not going to tell you about it. And I know you've seen him too. And he's both male and female. That's the end of the tape. Weird. It's just, I don't know. I, you know, maybe we're crazy. <laughs> but like to me, it's like this guy gets up afterwards and he's like, he's he's like, I'm not going to say nothing. Because Gary ends the whole thing with like, you know, speak to say, say to no man. And and it's alluding to something in the Bible or whatever. But like. Go and tell no man. Go and tell no man. Yeah. And uh, and so he's like, I'm not saying anything. But John didn't die and leave no one else behind who wasn't sent. And I've seen God today. Mm -hmm. And I know you've seen God today. And he's and both male and female. That's right. Well, who else is both male and female? And I don't think we would be connecting these dots if it weren't for what comes later in like all the promoting of Marilyn as the Christ and Marilyn as the lamp of Israel. And yeah. All the Christ in the flesh stuff. Yeah, we want to we want to do one more little bite. This is from uh, eight years later in 1993. It's just another continuation of this whole thing of, and a reminder that like, again, we had John, but now we have the one who was sent, who is our, you know, our apostle, our leader and everything. This is just another Gary quote. I know John wanted. He, he, he would say, if I could find another apostle. I would crawl across the United States on my hands and knees. And he didn't even have to do that because she was right here in Los Angeles. She was right here in Los Angeles. I can see him on stage, like pointing at yeah. her, you know? Marilyn. <laughs> Marilyn. <laughs> so that's our that's where we're starting with this stuff. Is you know, this is that's after John John was dead, and then we're getting into like this like move towards back a little swinging back a little bit to like the control and all of that stuff. And I'd like to read a, another APCO member um, kind of filling in some of these blanks for us um, after again, it's kind of like that same thing where John is like, I, he put himself as the central and then he got overwhelmed with that attention and he creates ComWest to like collect all the attention. So this is from our APCO, uh, our APCO person. Um, perhaps in 1992 or 1994, Gary brought a message that he said he couldn't be mom and dad to everyone, even though they had demanded it. He said it was like trying to spread butter over toast and there wasn't enough to go around. So instead of that, they were going to assign designated relationships where someone else would be Christ to you. Um, so everyone had someone to be accounted to. The shepherds became the designated relationships for most of the churches. They were to be submitted to, and they were to be submissive to Gary and Marilyn. Then Gary and Marilyn began sifting the shepherds, and only men and women who were loyal to Marilyn were put over the churches. Shepherd conferences became places where people would profess their loyalty. Inside the churches, there were factions of people 
uh, where or there were factions where people would call Gary and Marilyn and say that they were not being pushed enough as Christ to the people, and there was backstabbing and new shepherds appointed. One of those examples was an L.A. shepherd who got put over the valley and said, if you're not going to respect Marilyn as Christ, then get the fuck out of my church. He was rewarded for his loyalty by being the valley shepherd, even though he had few social skills or a shepherd's heart. Okay. Can confirm. Yes. <laughs> so we're looking at, you know, the 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 structure that's Gary and Marilyn taking over and they have to restructure everything and they have to get people lined up and in order and uh, submissive to them. So, yeah. And especially it's like they're taking they, they want to make sure they take the loyalty that was given to John Stevens and have it put on them or Marilyn for sure. Yes. Yeah. And that was a big that was a big part of it is like ensuring that everybody was submissive to her the same way that they were with John. And I wonder if they started to do that because there was a split when John died and Gary and Marilyn got together. There were people that were like, this is fucking weird and mm -hmm. no. And they left. So there was quite an exodus after John's yeah. death of people who just were really there for John and they weren't interested in Gary and Marilyn as the new leader. So yeah. I, I have to wonder if they were like, well, we got to do something to keep more people from bleeding, you know, yeah. bleeding out. Yeah, they had to they had to kind of like what circle the wagons or like consolidate power and like <laughs> yeah. kind of keep everybody in and like put stuff in order. So um we had shepherds, you know, shepherds is a thing. Let's listen to these interesting audio bites of Gary talking about designated relationships. This is also 1993. Yeah, or and this is the new actually. fad, right? Designated relationships. Yeah, this it's is... a brand new thing. So he's kind of trying to clarify this um in a casual sit-down setting. Well, I've got this one shepherd or two shepherds that uh, I feel are my designated relationship. I think if you don't have what you think are designated relationships, then go to your shepherd and get some of those first. Get a designated relationship. What is a designated relationship? To me, I, you know, my designated relationship is not just Marilyn because I happen to be married. You know, there's, uh, there's Marilyn, there's Marty, there's Rick, there's, you know. And he's listing out uh, members of his family. Members yes. of APCO. The, to me, these are all designated relationships. When you're talking about a designated relationship, I think that you're talking about a relationship in your life that God's really ordained something to be there with. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so he's yeah, he's listing out members of his family. He does mention like there might be people on APCO. He starts the whole thing with like it's not only Marilyn as my designated relationship. I the impression I get of this like early designated relationship is like kind of just somebody you can talk to. It's like he says, like somebody who can help understand the word and like your connection with God or whatever. And it's it's like this like widespread, like just start talking to other people instead of talking to the shepherd so much, like go to your uh, a designated relationship. There still is, and we're not playing this clip, but he still does say like, you know, go um, submit this list of people to the shepherds and like talk to the shepherds about like who these designated mm -hmm. relationships are. So there's still plenty of opportunity for the shepherds to be like, nope, 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 you know, and kind of direct you in a certain area. But he's saying close, you know, family members. He it also maybe looking towards this is um, is finding designated relationships or who you think maybe should be designated relationships in your life and going to your shepherd and submitting that. Oh, I guess we do. See, <laughs> to get confirmation, are these people in my life a designated relationship? Uh, because I think that 
like I said, this to me, this works on a very broad scale. I think anybody can be, to me, everybody in the body is potentially a designated relationship to you. I think people outside the body, I possibly members of your natural family, are potential designated relationships with you, even if they're out of the body. Okay. That's what's so crazy is because that is the opposite of what they actually promoted. Yeah, that was, you know, from especially the more recent version of what all of this stuff is, not the memory, I think. That, no. And like, if you're going to give a list of like... dividing us from our bio families, like, you know? Yes. Yeah, bio families and people outside the body. No. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but he said it. I mean, that's like, you know, that's that's one thing. I think there's a whole topic of discussion here about contradictions and how you just just because Gary said something doesn't mean they would ever actually allow that to happen. Like he would actually allow that to happen or he could say it as like a, a way to fall back. Like, no, see, I said you can do anybody. Or maybe they did this and then realized, oh, we're losing control of people. We yes. gave too much uh, leash. And now yeah. people are like going off and being, oh, well, my designated relationship is like my friend from work. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't think they liked I, I think they realized that was a mistake to, I, to it, give that much freedom. It could be. Yeah, exactly. It could be anything. It could be a mistake. It's like, who knows? But or it's just more of like the everyday contradictions that we heard in this fucking organization. Right. Exactly. Um, either way, eight years later a big push in the same department comes. And this is what most of us remember as like the worst version of all of this. Like the, the most controlling, the version. most controlling yeah. version of it, the most like extreme militant version of it. It's the year 2000. <laughs> the kingdom of God is relationships. But what you first have to do is understand the definition of relationship and what it really means. Who are you submitting to? Who's submitting to you? Who are you shepherding? Who's shepherding you? Okay. Lots said there. First, you don't know what relationships are. Let <laughs> me define that. <laughs> and what a relationship is, is who are you shepherding? And who's shepherding you? This, this thing, he said, he calls it shepherding. He's gonna use this stuff, all these buzzwords, interchangeably shepherding, designated relationship, divine order, Elijah, Elisha, Christ in the flesh. We're hearing all this crap here. It's all pretty much the same thing. Um, let's keep, uh, let's keep, uh, let's keep going. The point is you begin evaluating who are your relationships. But if you're only evaluating people who you are related to, because you know them, you're missing some of the key relationships in your life. Because those relationships, those people that know you, are not always the ones who are positioning you into something. We're going to have this in the church. There's going to be people that you do not know, but you are positioned with. You have a relationship. This is where I think it just got so bad it was like you have people that don't know you personally so now he's saying no it should shouldn't just be someone in your family that's not good yeah, enough and not anybody that you want nobody that you want because they're not gonna that's the thing i always heard them say with these words was like you have to have someone who will tell you no who will cross your spirit and so someone that knows you and loves you it's just gonna be a little too nice we, you need someone who's gonna be a real asshole yeah. to you um 
that was um, the premise I feel like was it's got to be someone who's abusive to you. And the thing is, like that I've said before, I think the people that don't know you at all, how do they know what's good for you? Yeah, what it's I don't understand. Like at this point, we've like lost track even of the original not the original idea, but even the designated relationship where he says it's like somebody you're supposed to discuss the word with. But not even just the word, but like things in your life, things right? In like your things in your life and stuff. Yeah. It's like now it's like it's about positioning you. Mm-hmm. It's about, OK, hold on. We got to reorganize this whole thing and like put you because ultimately and this is what we're trying to show here is like it's it's not about making your life better. This isn't about like. Please go get a friend. No, because, <laughs> like, because oh. if it were, they would encourage it to be someone who knows you, who is yeah. like really cares about you, knows you well enough to give you like solid advice and like, hey, yeah, I, you're going through this. And I, it's not. Or encouraging healthy relationships encouraging somehow. Healthy relationships it's, or, no, it's redefining relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's people that you're shepherding, that are shepherding you, that are submitting to you, people that you're being positioned by, that you're being and like that positioning thing is about structure and order. I and mean, that's where we're going next with this whole thing. Yeah. And it's a stranger. So like. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. We're talking about a chain of relationships that works through the body as an organism. Until it's all interconnected. Divine order somehow blossoms out of this reality of shepherding in the military they call it a chain of command so this is this is showing that it's like a system to filter everything up to the top Mm -hmm. divine order divine order somehow blossoms out (laughs) somehow some what blossoms (laughs) i love the somehow part it like it all sounds so planned out but then it's like kind of the like the like designated relationship Plus question mark, question mark <laughs> equals divine order. We hope it works. <laughs> and and then ultimately it's like a chain of command that it it's it's a structure and it's that positioning. It's that that chain of relationships. And like, where does the chain of command lead to? Where does the chain of relationships lead to? Everyone has to be in submission. And everybody should have someone who's in submission to them. That's that chain. That, to me, is the concept of shepherding. That is the concept of shepherding to him. Submission, submitting, submission, submission, submission. You better get a relationship that is going to mentor you and bring you into being a Joshua or a Timothy or an Elisha with that spirit or you may end up being the next Balaam. That, to me, is how important. This is, this is like Walk with God 101. More threats. Okay, yeah. It's more threats. It's just it's Walk with God 101. If it's not clear at this point, not a choice. You do this. Mm-hmm. This was such a huge push. I mean, the, the clips that I just played were from like a series of tapes that just like came out in the early 2000s. Yeah, this is not just from one message. Yeah, this is like nonstop push, push, push this whole thing. And like it was... You know, I think I found stuff like relationship all the way from like 99 or whatever into like into the 2000s. Just constantly talking about this, this crap. Um, this is from 2001 where things shift a little bit more towards this, at least according to what I can find, Christ in the flesh thing. So now it's like not enough. Like these aren't just shepherds. It's not just an Elijah, Elisha, biblical kind of thing. This is like 
This is Christ. Let's listen to Gary say that. We, a lot of times, use this term, Christ in the flesh. We have to make this happen. And the way we make it happen is in this relationship of laboring over one another, this intensity that I can't just wait for you to become Christ. I must somehow be the part of bringing Christ to birth in you. And I labor that Christ be born in you. Okay, he's saying he's not saying he's trying to labor for us to have Christ in him. He's, he's saying that's what the, the person sub, that you're submitting to, you are trying to make them Christ. That person is Christ to you, and you have to bring that out. It's your responsibility to do that. Okay. And bring it out. It, they're it, ideally supposed to bring it out in you but as well, but that's through you submitting it's to them the as Christ, and then you become more Christ-like or whatever. But the way they did it was just by abusing you. Yeah. Just beating you, like, and emotionally. You'll, and you'll hear that, like, so Gary brings the word the way that, and then, like, he brings the word, he says the things that he says, and then just like we've shown in a number of other times, people have to come up and they have to confirm it. Um, the the other leaders, the whoever have to prophesy it prophesy, or whatever. Yeah. And so what you hear here is, like, a less filtered, less careful version mm -hmm. of, like, but they are saying what Gary is saying. Here's some of our friends. Because you are Christ, and you are that to me, and that draws that out of you, and that's the set of our heart that takes this word and says, it won't be in the sky anymore. And I refuse to sin against the Lord and keep it in the sky. Okay, that's that same thing that we heard before. Not about sky, it's right here. It's not about God in the sky, it's about it's God about right here in your midst. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and here's, this is, gets more fun. I know who Christ is in my life. I serve Christ daily. Don't look up here. Look at your relationship and serve that person as Christ, who is serving someone else, who is Christ, who is serving someone else, who is Christ. This is how it spreads through this whole earth. Don't look lawfully. Look to the person in your life. I mean, it speaks for itself. It just eliminates God entirely, really. Yeah, it's it's everybody. It's worshiping. I mean, like I know, I'm sure there are Christians out there who have opinions on this, and they know their religion a lot better. But like, um, it's it's really focusing. It's it's such the, the the whole like remove religion from it for a second. It's really just like you end up treating this person who is just a, another person as like a god, mm -hmm. and that anything. This is how we fell into that problem of people like be doing anything and being abused mm -hmm. so hard was because that person that they were submitted to could do no wrong. They were yeah. Christ in the flesh. They were literally Jesus and they were told by their shepherds and everybody else, this is your Christ in the flesh, do what Christ. they say. Yeah. And then we're going to tell them what to do. And it's the whole freaking chain of relationships all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this person really clears, clears things up for us too. This, uh, prophecy. I declare I drop my needs and I will labor for you. Right. And I know you labor for me. I don't have to labor for myself. Right. I just have to give myself to Christ in flesh, to the ones I'm serving. And I won't worry about myself. And then I'll just flourish. I will just blossom because there is someone creating me and I'll just worry about giving myself to create others. Right. It's so much of like giving myself, losing myself, like you create me, I'm not in charge of me, any of that stuff. And it really just circles all, all the way back around to we are one, like mm -hmm. this mindless, like 
It's not like John said in the 1960s. It's not about you. It's not about your individuality. You are a part of this thing. You are getting your life being given over for mm -hmm. somebody else. And all of that ultimately led up to, and I will just tell my interpretation of like this whole freaking chain of relationships and really what it all ultimately means. It's exactly the same as Com West, and but with a fun labor twist where <laughs> Gary and Marilyn could say to one person and then it would just ripple through the chain of commands, like anything that they wanted to happen they could make happen through these obedient servants who are acting, uh, you know, who are treating this person above them in their chain of command like Christ. And it has that fun benefit of rippling all the information up to Gary and Marilyn, yeah. anything that they want to know, because you are submitting to this person as Christ. Um, you're like giving all of your, they're going to have a lot of personal information, personal information that goes all the way up. But you see it in Shalom's letter. It's like, she's trying to talk to like her Christ person, her Elisha, Elisha. Mm -hmm. But then like it get brings in this person, it brings in this person, it brings in her abuser. And it ultimately Gary and Marilyn, of course, know everything. Yeah. And they get to be privy to it. Well, and what happened was G Gary and Marilyn set the precedent because they had people serving them as if they were like a king and queen. And then they had shepherds that they, members of the apostolic company that were in submission to Gary and Marilyn. And then you had then this like goes down the org chart, designated relationships, Elijah, Elisha. You have to have a Christ in the flesh to tell you yes or no. And those people, even when they, if you were like a really young person who had someone assigned to you to submit, the way that it started to work and it started at the top with them and the shepherds did it too. Like, Oh, you're serving me now. You're my slave. Like you're my servant. Mm -hmm. You clean my house. You juice my wheatgrass. You like, <laughs> that was a whole thing. Y you know, whatever I ask, you're my, basically like my personal assistant. And yeah. that is somehow like discipleship yeah. or creating Christ in you because you're giving everything, your time, your money, your will, everything yeah. is given over to them. And it was very toxic because the, the leadership was already toxic. So then you just have a bunch of minions like mimicking what they're seeing being done. Oh, yes. this is how shepherding is. So that's how this is what my experience of shepherding is. And so therefore, when I have someone underneath me, that's exactly how I'm going to treat them. Yes, it creates like many tyrants throughout it gives the opportunity for for the tyrants to do whatever they want with their little miniature flock of followers mm -hmm. um but it also opens the door for just like so many things where your kids like this is what we hear about like parents they weren't um they they weren't the parents anymore mm -hmm. your kids were submitting to a Christ in the flesh and the Christ in the flesh had more say about what happens to oh, yeah. your kid than the parents did. And the parents couldn't do anything because their Christ told them to ignore it or whatever. Oh, yeah. or like, no, this is part of the submission. We need to break the bonds. Like it was, it was the continuation of the same old shit that they'd been doing, but now in a very individualistic, like in, not individualistic, it's like individual letter. It's like me to you, you to them. Yeah. We could get in it, but we weren't like, I wasn't in charge of what I did because I was being controlled by somebody above me mm -hmm. and them, somebody above them. But it, did this like thing where it felt like we were all doing it to each other. And I think mm -hmm. part of the crazy thing is like what, when this whole thing collapsed and everybody started 
talking about their experiences and how abused they were, they were pointing at just other congregants that were placed in charge of them and how they manipulated them here and made them do this. And like, it's like, we were all just like put in a position to hurt each other. Yeah. Because we were all being hurt. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it, to me, just a grand system of control. It was a way to corral people um, so that you didn't have people running around doing things that were unsanctioned or like everybody was monitored in a yeah. way, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the control, like where you, like you're saying, like it's the being able to monitor everybody and being able to like, it's like, I'm, it's like such a great sci-fi situation. Cause it's like, everything's like connected <laughs> and like you get all the information. It's like a hive mind, you know, kind of thing where it's like it, it, in the ideal version of what he had planned and what he was doing, it's like you can you can hear with one hand, you can get all the information, mm -hmm. and then you can do with the other, and everybody's connected. Yeah, because they, they didn't have it. the capacity as just two individuals to have that level of control over hundreds mm -hmm. of people. So what's the next best thing is you have all your little minions, and like everyone then goes out and is doing the controlling for you, yeah. but but we always reporting one. back to you. We are one. <laughs> we are one. It's it's so it's so it was like um that and this is why we say that like when Gary and Marilyn came, like took it over, they like really perfected something that you know John obviously wanted everybody submitting to him. He wanted that control and that devotion and he I inspired think, it. Yeah. But they did it. They made a machine that did it in like a mm -hmm. mechanical sense. They like made it happen instead of just like, that's like John was the, I always feel like John is a better cult leader in the sense that like he and he was charismatic and he was interesting and like he had all his time travel, you know, and like <laughs> all his like things. And Gary and Gary was like dry as hell. Marilyn never made any sense. They think that she's. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you, you have, they of course then had to have like a mathematical way of handling the flock. And there's even stories I've heard about like certain churches, San Diego church is one that I heard where they were incredibly militant about this. They literally had a spreadsheet with everybody connected mm -hmm. so they could follow and track who was submitted to who and like how that, and I wonder if they submitted that up to Gary and Marilyn Probably. so that they could, you know, yeah. God, imagine if they had like a, a quantum computer and they'd put it all in there. <laughs> like. It's also what has made, I've talked to other former members about, like we mentioned in the, the healing and feeling episode, like the decision paralysis that comes after this level of control yeah. where you're like, how do I not feel so much fear and self-doubt about making decisions for myself after being so controlled for so many years mm -hmm. and being, you know, required to ask permission and told what to do and what not to do and don't trust yourself. Yeah, it's that arrested development mm -hmm. because you never, you, everything in your life was micromanaged and you never really got the chance to make choices. You weren't empowered to make choices for yourself. You had to have everything checked and rechecked and submitted and questioned and controlled yeah. through everything so that, you know, how are you ever going to learn to be an adult? And they would, um, 
they would say like, well, you don't have to do this, but you know, if you don't, you're yeah. out from under the covering, bad things are going to happen to you. You're fucked. You're losing out on God mm-hmm. and your life is probably going to suck. So, yeah. and oh, we'll never talk to you again. So. Right. Yeah. There's a, that, that's the manipulation part of it where it's like, it, it makes it seem like there's no control, mm-hmm. but in fact, there's a lot of control and manipulating you into choosing that control. Yeah. And we all saw it. And like you were saying earlier um, in our in our conversation off off mic that you made a decision that was against what the shepherds told you to do. Mm-hmm. And then when you like came back around, you were made to feel unwelcome. You were shunned. You were made to feel like it, it, it can be kind of subtle and also very obvious. Well, it's it was yeah very obvious feeling. And I think it's like it was so subtle that like I'm starting to realize what it was. And part of that is like hearing other people's stories and realizing the way that like the way that they behave, because when somebody doesn't say anything to you, you don't know that there's something that they're saying by not saying something to you. But you you can feel it. You can feel it. it. And so the feeling goes with you, Yeah. but you don't have any tangible way of like putting it together. Like, Oh, this is what was happening. Unless you hear somebody confess to you later or some sort of thing, or like we, hear other stories and see like the same things that happened to other people. Yeah. Like just to elaborate, like what I was saying before is like, I, I had made a pretty big decision that the shepherds didn't want me to make. And I never really felt like I was leaving the church. I just was like taking a minute and I came back and like, was trying to like come back around to like, you know, just be involved to the same level. And, um, I'm like remembering back down, like they didn't talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. They stopped talking, I think. And I even remember just the general feeling of like, oh, you didn't listen to me. So like, yeah, you're not, you're not here. And instead like, and that was like most of the church kind of wrote me off mm-hmm. except this like one little avenue of access that I had. And I think it's a little bit of like, well, if you give yourself to this, this little entryway that we have for you, and you really want in, then you can come in through here mm-hmm. and then eventually it'll be okay. They make you work for it though. They make you work for it. They punish you. Yeah. And I didn't understand what was going on. And I was also wrestling with my like, do I really want to be here? You know? Yeah. And I think that's kind of to protect the group. That's to protect the cult oh, yeah. from somebody like me who might be questioning things mm-hmm. and not fully committed. Um, I have uh, the ability to bring in the Nephilim channel in that that spirit of division spirit of division Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know keep it isolated keep it controlled god he's been such a pain in the ass today Um, anyways, I think, yeah, it's the, the, the level of control. This is just like one framework of it. There's so much like we talk about just the manipulation and in general is like, a is, is that like another layer to it? And there's so many things we couldn't include in here because it just don't make any sense. And there's just more, options for them to use to control everybody. But this was like the main one that was like working really well. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I previously mentioned that when I was like kind of not really involved at the time the initial Elisha Elijah words came out, but I remember hearing about it and being like, oh no, I'm going to have to do that. Like, <laughs> 
And you were like on your way out with that. So I was, I was like, like, just, I mean, I wasn't even on my way out. I was just like really not into it and kind uh-huh. of doing my own thing. And, but for some reason, when I heard about those words and I just like my heart sank, cause I was like, oh, I, I can't get away with just sort of like being partially involved now. Yeah. I'm really going to, if I want them to still accept me, I'm going to have to do this. And yes. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> and that's something I will say too, to like piggyback off of that, that I had a similar feeling. I was you know, I had just moved to LA um, from one of the smaller churches from Southgate when this started happening. And it was all the YAS group. They were like, okay, so now you got to go get your designated relationship. And I was like, I don't know anybody here. I do <laughs> not want to do this. And it just felt very like ooey gooey, like exposure, like uh, very intimate to like find this person. And it was like, it also like was framed in a lot in like a way of, um, like uh, almost like dating where it's like you had to go like ask this person that you could like submit to them. And I was like, oh, like I did not want to do this. So like I think a lot like through most of my high school, like my social anxiety kept me out of it because I would like find ways to like avoid doing that. And uh-huh. like who I should submit to. They'd ask me, so who are you going to submit to? I'm like just like walk off and like go work in the audio booth. And they were like, well, he's plugged in. So don't worry about it. And, uh, but it is, it is like this, I eventually, you know, was forced into it eventually, but like, it's, uh, it's so, it was like this, like terrifyingly Uh, uncomfortable thing. Yeah. Yeah. This person you don't know and you're supposed to suddenly like, they're your, they're your one person that you're Mm -hmm. supposed to go to. Like, that's the thing too, where he mentions early on, you know, like, oh, you have designated relationships. And then it becomes, no, no, you just have one. Because mm-hmm. I told you about when I was in Brazil and getting yelled at because I was really, when I first got there, I was kind of homesick. And there was someone that I knew from L.A. She was there at the time for a little while. And I was just confiding in her that, like, I'm having a hard time. And she went and told, like, the main leader, a uh, female leader. In Brazil. In Brazil. And I get pulled aside and yelled at because I confided in this friend that I had known for years since mm-hmm. I was a child and not my designated relationship. Yeah. She was like, you're only to speak to your designated relationship about these things. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it's such a good way of siloing the information, too. Like, you can't talk to your friends about it. Like, if anything comes up, it like, we know where, like, whoop, we know who to tell to shut up and not talk about it. We're handling it. You don't think about it. You know, whatever. That's a good point. It's everything about it. Like, controlling your relationships is such a good way of controlling you and your thoughts and um your decisions and everything you don't get to like have a friend that you can like side stuff no because that's dangerous because mm-hmm. then you have someone that actually gives a shit about you and they're yeah they could tell you like you know what actually i don't think that's good for you to go work at Brayton yeah. street every night of your life i think that what i mean so many things about this but like designated relationships in total is this like <sighs> It affects us in ways I don't think we even knew at the time because of like what it was and what it could be and and what it was without our permission, what it was to some people versus others. It was like always this way, like they could clamp down on you if they needed to. They could let things be chill if they didn't need to worry about you, if you were like a submissive person or whatever. But if you were a problem person, which you just sound like you were. In general, <laughs> the, like, it really was. Then they could keep coming after you and use it to control you in a, in a harsher way yeah. than they needed to. Like somebody like me, I was 
you know, like for most of the time that I was part of it, I was like in my teens and I didn't really need to mess around until I started to do things that were like, oh, I'm making own dis- my own decisions for my life. And then it was like, burp, 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 let me, let's bring you into a room and let's manipulate you and let's tell you how you're going to totally screw your life up if you make this choice. Mm-hmm. And it was just always there to to just drop in. And they would say, like, this is a word from God, too, like. You need to be walking in the word and walking in the word is submitting to your relationship. You're Christ in the flesh. That dude over there, he's Christ. Just look at him. The person's just like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just finger up the nose. Like, well, I don't know. But I'm going to pretend like I prayed about this and got a witness. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's, it's so, it's just such a terrible idea that works so well on us. You know, like, it's like, um, but I think that filter, like that is always going to come up. Everything that we talk about, it's always comes down to this. Uh, it may be called something totally different, but like shepherding, designated relationship, Christ in the flesh, Elijah, Elisha, early Timothy stuff, submitted to the brothers, whatever it is, divine order, upward flow, all of that stuff. It's basically the same idea. Narcissistic abuse. And narcissistic abuse and creating everything about the leader mm-hmm. channeling it all every information submission money love mm-hmm. whatever all the way up forget about yourself forget about your life forget about your choice we aren't one we aren't one <laughs> oh is there anything more culty like than that chanting what holy they think? shit <laughs> Ooh, just entered the twilight zone yeah, i was like exactly. oh my god Thank you for listening. Yeah. Do you want to do a like and subscribe? Please like and subscribe. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Instagram, TikTok, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> there are links There are links in the show notes to everything. Please, as always, send us emails, thoughts, rate, review. Subscribe. Subscribe. Share this stuff to your friends who have ever been curious about any of the stuff and shove it down their throat. <laughs> Because it's, it's like they want to know. It's just hard to hit play sometimes on these culty people. Well, that's right. Anyways. And don't forget, we have an email linked in the show notes if you want to send us your stories or anything that you want to want to shout at us. Yes. Be shout. nice. Be nice. We're yeah. traumatized. You can be a little, you can be a little mean. That's fine. We'll take it. Scott will read those ones. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're really mean, we'll read it out loud. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Does it get any more culty than that? They're saying, we're one, we're one, we're one. (laughs) This will haunt your nightmares. (laughs) If you or someone you know has a mental illness, is struggling emotionally, or has concerns about their mental health, there are ways to get help. Use the resources linked in the description to find help for you, a friend, or a family member.